Athletics Podcast. I'm Brian Deere, the Assistant Director of Athletic Communications. I'm with Taylor Chitwood. He's the Director of Athletic Communications, and we are here with the men's soccer coach here at Randolph-Macon, Josh Lux. Josh, it's great to have you on the show. We, we're trying to have all the coaches for the fall season on um, here before the season actually starts, and we are just more than excited to get to sit down and talk to you today. Uh, how excited are you for the fall? Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's awesome to be able to highlight our team and our guys and any chance that we get to do that. Super excited. I'm always excited for every season. Um, you know, we have a great group. You know, we had a good team last year. Uh, we have a lot of key pieces back. Um, we lost some good guys, obviously. We did have a big senior class, but I, I'm, I'm excited for, for the challenge. And it's, it's really – I'm more excited to get to just work with the kids that I have. I really like the kids that I have. When does the fall season start for you? Has it already started for you in your mind as a coach? Yeah, uh, it never here? ends. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it starts kind of, you know, right when the, when the previous season ends, we kind of get – give them about a week off, and then we're, we're right into the weight room. That's more for just to lay down a base of strength and, and also for some time management. And so the guys don't go crazy also. With, you know, we're managing their time for three straight months, and then all of a sudden it's like, what now? So we, we sort of lay a base of strength down, and, and we start, like, really, you know, lay that strength down. They, they go home for Christmas break, and then when they get back in J-term, we start going, like, all in on our sports performance program. Gotcha. Now, this is your second stint here at Randolph-Macon. You were here from 2001 to 2003, and then you went to the – school that should not be mentioned <laughs> right. um, and, right. and then you came back in 2015 so obviously a lot has changed around here whether it be in Ashland the school the athletic department the uh, soccer program what have you seen change from your first stint to your second stint well I mean not you know obviously like just the architecture number one like the, there's so many new buildings the campus is unrecognizable compared to that time and even when I was a student I mean it was a nice nice campus and everything like that good setting but but now I feel like you know I think things are an arms race not just on you know the athletic side but on the academic side and we've just added so many nice new facilities dorms you know science center every, you, know, you just keep going on programs nursing physicians assistant engineering um, I mean those are things that we, we just didn't have and I feel like if anything else, Rand if nothing else, Randolph making done an awesome job of like sort of keeping up with the times. I don't think we're, you know, this liberal arts school that's that's stuck in you know 1915. Um, and, and credit to 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 our curriculum people and our president, but we've really, I think we've really done a good job of uh, adjusting to what these you know students want when they come here, and, and also keeping up with, with the facilities just in general. Um, so that they have a great place to play, but also a great place to, to sleep and, and, and to do their, their academic training. Absolutely. For somebody that's an alum of Randolph-Macon, um, you know, what was it like to be able to come back, you know, in your second stint, first as an assistant here now, um, the head coach? You know, what is it – talk to me, you know, what was it like to come back and see the bill and see the growth that you mentioned, you know, come back and, you know, it be unrecognizable, as you, as you said – but, you know, what is it like to come back as an alum and say, you know what, this is this is my program. You know, I'm in full control of what I want to see in my vision. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it was a great opportunity, and I'm, I'm really uh, grateful to have been chosen for, for the job. Um, I don't look at it as like it's my program. I know what you're saying, but I kind of feel like it's our program as, as a school, our alumni, and, and just our fans in general. So it just to me it was just an honor to come back and be able to, to coach here. Um, Pretty cool, you know, for most of the, most of the time, anyway, to be mm -hmm. able to, to work for an athletic director who was my coach. 
um, and who, who understands soccer with Jeff Burns. So, you know, that was something that, you know, I, I really felt like was good for, you know, you know, my, uh, my, my professional development and also for the, for the um, possibility of a positive trajectory for the team is to have a, an athletic director that – because some, some of these guys don't understand soccer. It's, it's kind of interesting. Like, you'll hear some horror stories. Like, everybody kind of – not everybody, but a lot of people, the more, like, traditional American sports, like, you know, football, basketball, baseball, everybody thinks they at least understand it. But sometimes, you know, soccer can get pushed to the side – as like, a, well, we don't, we don't really understand that or whatever. But, you know, Jeff does understand soccer, which, which is nice. I mean, it's really, it's really good. I can talk to him about some things. I mean, he doesn't interfere too much, but at the same time, he's a great sounding board, and he's not just there, you know, as like a guy that hasn't done it himself. I mean, he, he's coached himself on the men's and women's side. So that, that's, been, that's been pretty pretty cool. How important is the success of your program and Jay's program to the – foundation of this say athletic department from your eyes because you look at 2017 for you guys where you guys went 14 three and one it was a phenomenal year I got I ended up broadcasting a couple of those games and just seeing how how great you guys were for that season and then 2019 on the women's side where they uh, ended up winning Odax how important do you see uh, is it for these like these winning seasons for the like Ashland community to come out and and see you guys well I mean that's that's cool I don't think that our success or lack of success dependent on the case or the women's team or whatever you know, I don't think that necessarily affects like another program for example um, but I don't think it hurts either I mean it's 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 good to be able to bring recruits like a lacrosse recruit can come to our game on their visit and see that we get we draw a good crowd and the environment that we have and you know I think that that that's a that's a positive for sure you know, but if somebody has a down year, I don't think it hurts another program as long as we're investing in, you know, the, you know, each program, and, you know, I don't want to say equally because people have bigger rosters and things like that, but the investment in the program is what, what really matters. But seeing the community come out is really cool. It's not just the, the Ashland community, though. Like, you know, my daughter, she's a Richmond Strikers player, and all, her teammates are out at games now. Um, weren't seeing, wasn't seeing that in the beginning. Now, obviously, I have a little in there with her being my daughter, <laughs> but you're, you're seeing kids, you know, pop up that, we don't even know from different youth organizations, you know, FC Richmond, Richmond Kickers. And they're coming to our games, and they like the way we play. They like the way we compete. They, they like our guys. They come to our camps. Um, it's, it's kind of a, you know, we, we, do, we have sort of started to create this, like, it's kind of a thing to do in the fall. And, and, and that's also for the women's team, too. I mean, they've, they've drawn some great crowds. Our guys love going to their games. I mean, they had the, they, that place when they played Christopher Newport last year. They, they, the women's team played so good. I mean, unfortunately, they lost. But it was, it was an unbelievable game. And, um, you know, the place was packed. You know, our guys, it was packed. There was nowhere even to stand. It was pretty cool. So, oh, yeah. you know, I think, you know, both programs doing well is, is awesome. But also playing, playing, uh, playing well, uh, whether, you, whether you sort of win or lose those games. I mean, I think both teams really play a good style. They work hard. They have good athletes. Um, we have good athletes, they have good athletes, good competitors. I think that's more important than anything, and that's what draws the people out there. Absolutely. Across your body of work, it's been in the Old Dominion Athletic Conference, um, you know, and, and soccer in the athletic – or, excuse me, in the Old Dominion Athletic Conference is – it's a special style of soccer. Um, you know, what, what, what's the draw to you in the ODAC? And I guess talk to, talk to the fans and talk to the people about soccer in the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. Yeah, it's interesting because we play these non-conference games and like sometimes like you might get a false sense of security even against a really good team. You know, I remember we even scrimmaged Messiah a few years ago and we did really well in the scrimmage. And I was like, man, they're unbelievable. 
no doubt about that. But nobody in the ODAC plays like that. So the game itself, like, showed me that we could kind of hang in there with Messiah, but it, it's not the same as playing, you know, Lynchburg or Hampton-Sydney or Roanoke or Bridgewater. Those teams all play a little different. It's really fast. It's physical. Um, typically, it's pretty high pressure, although some teams have started to sit in. Against us, a lot of teams will actually sit in because we're pretty athletic and fast. So we've, we've sort of found ways to combat that, and we're continuing to find ways to combat that because those low blocks can be challenging, but I think we do a good job now. We've sort of found some pockets of space on how to attack that. Um, and then you have all these rivalries. Like everybody talks about the Hampton-Sydney rivalry. That's great. But, you know, we have rivalries with like it feels like everybody in the league. <laughs> the thing with men's soccer is that it's, the league is so deep. Uh, I mean, there's nine or even ten good quality competitive teams. Um, you, in any given year, you probably have six teams that can legitimately win the league. Um, and you, you, I'm not saying that other sports aren't good in the league. They are. But I don't know that anyone has that type of depth from top to bottom in the league. Then you factor in the, just a low scoring margin um, of our sport, um, you know, one goal games. I mean, we tied a couple games last year. I felt we should have won, you know, but, you know, that we've been on the other side of that too where in the, in the past we may have won a game. I thought we should have lost, you know, so that maybe wouldn't happen in a football or basketball game either. So you, you're the beneficiary of, beneficiary of it sometimes, but the victim of it other times. So you put that all into one with, with the, the athleticism, the speed, the parity, the fact that, that all these other teams are pretty, pretty darn good, you know, it's, it's sort of a exciting – if you're a fan, it's kind of an exciting, exciting thing to come check out. Yeah, and I was going to save this until later, but let's talk about your schedule for a minute. Other than, say, the hampton City game, the big rivalry that everyone talks about, what are, say, a couple other games that you circle on the schedule where you're like, if we play well here, we've got a shot to win this conference? Like, if we – if like I know it's tough to to really answer that because you it don't is. know who's good year in and year out, but like what is one game that you're looking at this year where you're saying we gotta we gotta play well here? I mean, yeah, one game. Well, I would like to play better. Than, like last year, we only lost one conference game in, in the regular season, um, and that I did not. You know, we played well in that first half against Washington and Lee, but they outclassed us in the second half. You know, they were better. We fell asleep. Um, you know, there was only two halves all year. I thought we didn't play well, which is unheard of in a soccer season. Barry in the second half, and they were good. Um, they didn't have one weak spot on that team. And then Washington only second half. I thought we – it wasn't even that we didn't play well for the whole half. It's just that in the minutes we didn't play well, they punished us. And that's why they were – at the time, I think they were number one in the country. And that's why they were number one in the country. So I would like to have a better showing against them, and I would like to beat them. Um, and I think that we can beat them. But – we cannot switch off. I mean, we switched off on their best player twice. I mean, we all have to take some responsibility, coaches, players, like that. We can't let the best player on the other team, you know, that we're keying on. He's not the guy that can beat us. You know, exactly. that's, that's the guy that beat us. <laughs> so we need to do a better <laughs> job. I mean, that, that's one. But, but like as you sort of said, I circle all the games because they're all three points. Mm-hmm. And there's new rules also. There's no overtime anymore. Um, and so that's going to – create a massive amount of ties so the, the days of hey if you get a 10 win season that's a really good year those are over now it might be a seven win season with five ties i mean i hope we do better than that but the reality is look how many games in division three soccer division one soccer division two soccer go to overtime it's a t- there's a ton of them you're not you're just going to end in a tie after 90 minutes i mean i think the thought is player safety but the standings are going to be weird with a lot of one point games in there so it's going to be interesting wins are even more valuable now than before now, does that take, you know, from a coach's standpoint, 
and maybe an administrative standpoint, you know, does that make it harder to take that, that next step to, to become elite for any program? Or, or do you think that that gives opportunity to other teams to become elite or, or build some, excuse me, some kind of like dynasty or, you know, <laughs> there's, there's obviously a, a place, a goal that you want to be. You want to be elite. You want to be in that top 5%. You know, that's, that's obviously the goal every year. Um, I mean, that's as vague as it gets, but you know, does rule change like that? Does that does that help that for the the better teams, the top class teams, or does that make it a little bit harder because of the depth and say the ODAC? You know, maybe one of those those depth teams that you know usually finish around five or six sneak up and and you know get three good results, three um, three results of three points, and all of a sudden you know they're in the driver's seat. That's a great question, and I don't know the answer because I'm not. I think that there will be beneficiaries. And there will be people who suffer because of it, but I'm not sure how, who, and when. And it, it may just be so. It's so different that, that those things may vary year in and year out. Like you may have a great team, but have just so many ties, and and you might be eighth. You know what I mean? Just because of your ties, like you may have you may have two losses in the league and have a ton of ties. It's going to be. I don't know how to answer your question. It's a great question, and I do think it'll change. The, the, the big issue for our league is that we have an unbalanced, inequitable schedule, which I did help formulate years ago, but I hate it now. And what I mean by that is, like, because we finished high the last few years in the top three of the, of the conference, we're now – in the ODAC, you don't play everybody in the league, number one, which is smart because it, it increases, you know, probability of NCAA bids for other teams that don't win the league. But now, all of a sudden, we've slid in this inequitable schedule also, which we had done in the past, didn't like it. We, we had gone back to equitable. Now it's like Randolph-Macon, Hampton-Sydney, um, Washington-LA, Lynchburg. We have harder schedules than some other teams that aren't that far off of us. But that's a huge advantage to them moving into this season when if you don't play us or you don't play, you know, Sydney or you don't play Lynchburg, that's pretty – you know – that's not like a, a free three points because you play somebody else it, if you get It's those. a free chance at yeah. three points yeah, exactly. that you ordinarily are looking at a game like, I mean, we have to get pretty lucky to win this game. That's what some of these other teams might be thinking. But now it's like we don't even have to play those guys. So the standings, when we did this before, it was just the standings were a mess. You had teams in six that, I, in my opinion, I thought were third or fourth easily. You had teams not making the conference tournament. You know, like, like one particular team in our league didn't make the conference tournament. And I was like, man, they're way better than that. And I, when we played them, I, I had them in the top five. They were really a victim not only of who they didn't, who they didn't play or who they did play, but also who they didn't get to play. Mm -hmm. They sort of got crushed on both ends. You know, so, like, they played all the top dogs and didn't play, like, two of the bottom teams. It's like, man, they're, they're losing 12 points, yeah, you know, exactly. whatever. So, it's, it's, not a, it's, it's a little bit – it's not a perfect science. We definitely have our work cut out for us. We're ready for it. But our schedule is not the same as some others in the league, for sure. I want to talk about this uh, rule change for one more question. Without giving anything away, of course, how does that change your style of coaching, per se? Where, as in later in games, um, maybe do you have to be a little more aggressive? Or do you – how do you manage that? Because without playing for a tie, but also going for the win, like it's – obviously it's a fine line. I'm still thinking about that now. We're, you know, 20 days out or 22 days out. I'm still actually thinking about the question that you asked me. You know, you figure like, oh, he would have it figured out by now. But, 
it's interesting because like you don't want to just throw the kitchen sink at them and get picked off and doing things you wouldn't ordinarily do because we, we have sort of have a slogan in our team like there's a way to win two nothing there's a way to lose two nothing meaning like you see these teams that are down two nothing with three minutes left they're not get, they're not going to win the game and you know and they just completely implode and they lose four nothing you know that's not a standard that we want to have and the same thing when we're up to nothing we want to stay sharp and crisp you know I thought we we, we had we like last year we were up against Sydney two nothing and you know we fell asleep gave up a goal we scored another one we're up three one and we, we got sloppy again and then in the last 30 seconds it was kind of scary for no reason and it's like that's not what we're, we're after either like we want to win and when we lose we want to play at a certain standard because that 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 sort of gives you the chance to propel into that top 10 five percent that you know we, you guys were kind of alluding to earlier without that you know, you don't have much. You just kind of have like a chaotic type of team. And I don't think we're like that, but that, that's like a sort of a new slogan that, that I heard somebody else say, um, and I really liked it. Um, and I feel like it, it, it resonates with our guys pretty well. It shows a lot of character when you're down like that and you're still trying to fight back later in a game. I mean, that's, that goes for really any sport. Fight back, keep your head. Exactly. Um, win and lose the right way. Like, those things matter when you're talking about program development. I mean, it might not be great on the day uh, to take an L. Uh, nobody wants to do that. But for program development, they're, they're, you have to do things a certain way. We're very process-driven with the way we approach everything. And that handling the way that we play in that loss or that win is part of the process. Sometimes I'll get a little irritated with our guys after a, a good win where we sort of got sloppy in the last six minutes. We're up 3 nothing or whatever. We're up 2 nothing. There's no reason to get sloppy, and they know that. Their mistakes happen, but – there's a difference between a mistake and, and being sloppy or somebody kind of shutting off and not realizing what their role was there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uncommon on our team, but it, when it happens, it, it's something that it does bug me. Mm-hmm. They always say a two-goal lead is the scariest lead in sports. <laughs> I'll take it over a one-goal lead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. But you know what they say. Coach, you know, with the success that you've had wherever you've gone, um, with being very really successful at, at the other place, we're going to call it the other place, and then coming here and turning it around and being able to have the success year in and year out. You know, how exciting is it to be able to sell that to recruits? Um, you know, talking in to, the, to you know, that next group of guys that are going to come in and, and going to be able to buy into your program and your values and, and stuff like that. How, you know, how exciting is it for you as a coach, like, you know, you expect success. That's what you want. You're looking for guys that share that with you. So when you find those guys, how exciting is it for you to be able to, you know, have those part of your program? Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. And, I mean, like, you know, we kind of turned around faster than I thought we would. I thought it would take about five years um, just because the, the program wasn't in a very good spot at all. Um, but at the same time, you know, now we're able to recruit what appear to be higher level players, and, and they are. But at the same time, the reason we were able to turn around was we, we did recruit some kids that were a bit marginalized at their clubs, in the, at their high schools, in the recruiting process. So they came with a little bit of an attitude, a little bit of an edge. And I don't want to lose that now just because we're getting looks from the higher profile kids. Like, I need to now find the higher profile kid that also has that and not forget about the kid that got us here in the first place. Um, we just ran an ID camp, and there were a couple kids there that aren't even on their top teams in their own clubs. And I was really impressed with them. I was like, man, this guy, he's pretty darn good in the ODAC. You know, not because the ODAC's not good, but because this kid translates to yeah, the conference. I don't care what somebody else said about him or what, who, what team he's not on. 
you know, there's a couple kids in particular we were just looking at each other like, whoa. But we got to go after that guy. And I think that's the balancing act right there is like, yeah, we do have access to higher level guys on paper, but we don't want to – we don't win the game on paper. We don't play the game on paper. We need to find the guys that sort of got us here in the first place. Maybe they're a little bit higher soccer IQ or whatever that helps you get to that next level. But if they're just like kind of what I call soccer nerds, if they're just kind of like soccer nerds and they're not competitors also and they don't have a little bit something to prove or they're going to come here and be like, well, at my club we did it this way and, you know, we had all the sponsorships and the gear. Like, that doesn't matter anymore. So it's a, it's a tricky situation that I haven't quite mastered. I'm, not, I'm the first one to admit. You know, I stress about recruiting all the time. We work really hard in recruiting, but it's like got to get the right guys. Got to get the right guys. Yeah. Um, so great question. I appreciate the question. Now, soccer – just in the grand scheme of things, the global aspect, it is, I guess, probably the most likely sport for players to be able to go pro, uh, just because it is the most worldwide sport out there, and there's a lot of levels to it. But no matter what, there's still a player development side on and off the field. What what do you stress, say, on both aspects of it, maybe on the field and off, where you say, I want to grow these guys into – men like into grown men like when they leave here they are well respected in their community by their peers by their employers everything what do you look for when they from when they come in to when they leave where you say i did a good job making that guy who he is yeah i mean it's definitely like a team effort you know across the whole campus but i mean we have guys that come in and here's a good example we have a couple seniors right now that are like this that really struggled here academically and it's like whoa like, I didn't think they were going to struggle like that. I don't even have to look at their grades anymore. They don't have four O's, but these are guys that I call them the meat and potatoes guys, like meat and potatoes guys on our team. And, you know, they – like, I don't – I check in, I look at their grades, their grades are good. I, I, I give them a pat on the back because I'm so proud of them. But, you know, when when they struggled so bad, we went through the Higgins Academic Center. We worked with Andy Keith and now also Morgan Merkel. And – you know, we created this thing called Soccer Success Strategies, so we do that for all of our freshmen. It's just a different program outside of the normal offerings that our freshmen are sort of held to. It's a time management thing more than anything else. And just watching those guys develop academically, you know, I see that that program does work. Now, after your freshman year, you're out of that program. Um, so that's one thing that I look for is just sort of an improvement. That, that was an example, you know, not everybody's a bad student. Some guys are great students. That goes back to my thing. There's a way to win two nothing. Mm-hmm. There's a way to lose two nothing. There's sort of a, a way to do things all the time. That's just an example in the game. But outside the lines, you know, there's still a way to win two nothing and a way to lose two nothing outside of the lines. And we really try to get our guys to understand that that message that we're giving them with, with that sort of philosophy isn't just for the game of soccer. Now, our sports performance program builds character, and our sports performance program takes a lot of work. But it's a, it, we also, it also teaches efficiency because I'm not one of these people that thinks a workout has to kill the guy. Like, I think that's actually reckless uh, when it's just too much. So, you know, we're devel- we tell the guys what we're doing, what we're working on, why we're working on it. The process of the sports performance program, which is by far and away the most important thing that we do, by the way, more so than anything we do on the field, it's what we, what we do in the weight room and the mentality that gets established there. Now, we're not a bunch of bruisers out on the field, but without the weight room, you have more injuries. Without the weight room, you don't develop speed. Without the weight room, you don't develop strength. 
without the weight room, you don't develop power. Um, and you don't learn how to kind of push through things. You can hide in a 5v5 game if you want to. You know, but you can't really hide when you're, you know, you're, you're throwing the medicine ball or you're on the bench or you're doing stability work with one leg and you keep falling. You're like, oh, that's, that's an area of deficiency I need to work on. So, you know, I hope that that kind of – I kind of went all over the place there, but it all ties into how we're trying to get these guys, our guys, prepared for, you know, life after, after college and what, what we want to see them sort of develop into. We've been fortunate to have the leaders that we've had on our team. Just cannot ask for a better group of kids throughout the years that I've been here. And I had great leaders at the other place also, to be honest <laughs> with you. And that helps those younger guys turn into the leaders. Um, once in a while, a younger guy has a hard time transitioning from little brother to big brother type of deal. And I tell them that that can be a real challenge. But ultimately, when you have good leadership as a group, you know, in your, in your older classes, you know, the expectation is that, when you're no longer the little brother, you'll provide the big brother mentorship. Yep. And when you do that, uh, it sort of sets a guidance for, for players as they as they move. We've just had so many. I don't even want to name all of our guys that have done that because there's just so many great guys over the last six years, seven years, whatever it is. Yeah, and I think I actually misspoke on the first uh, part of my question. I wouldn't say it's not easier to go pro per se. It is just – in the grand scheme of things, there's a lot of opportunities where yeah, there's yeah, yeah. – uh, I, I think I might have said it was easier to go pro, and that is just not even the case. It's, it's No, no, that's, that's fine. It's, it's hard to go pro in any sport, obviously. No, no, no doubt. That's I mean, why I'm sitting here on a mic instead of <laughs> I was playing say, pro baseball right here. now. <laughs> yeah, but at the, at the same time, because, like, now with the different caliber of video that we have, like, we have an AI camera, VO camera, um, and, and the different amount of video that we have on our guys now, like, if they really want to pursue this thing, you know, and, go, and try to play – you know, there are going to be opportunities because they, you know, we, we film a lot of our practices also. So they're going to be able to make some clips of themselves, send them off, market themselves. But I tell guys, we get recruits all the time. I want to play pro, I want to play pro. Do you know what that takes? Do you know what that takes? Because it has to be all, this has to be all that you do, school and soccer. There can't be anything else. And, you know, you really have to get after it. You have to market yourself. We'll help you. Um, and I think that there will be more Division three players now with, with the use of these the access to video is going to be really big because it's just it's just so convenient. They can log right into our software and, and just download clips and make, make clips of themselves. Um, but, you know, you better be killing it in the conference. You know, don't be a forward scoring two goals mm -hmm. and saying, I want to turn pro. Like, you got to do what the kid at Randolph did and score. You know, he scored like 18 goals last year. He's, I think he's playing in Czechoslovakia right now or something like that. Yeah. You know, that's what you got to do. Well, and that's the thing, you know, you, you talked about being able to hide you know, in some games in a 5v5 game or even 11 on 11, you know, you can be able to kind of hide whatever. But, you know, with, with the resources now, if that's what you would, what you really want to do, you got to bring it every single day. 100%. Whether it's sports performance, whether it's on the field, whether it's in practice, because people see it. They're not there, and, you know, there's no opportunity to hide anymore because yeah. they can see it at all times. But moving on, um, new assistant Keegan, um, you know, what does he bring to the program? What does he bring from his experience that you're excited about? Well, first of all, shout out to my last assistant, um, Alex Ortega. I mean, un unbelievable job, uh, just incredible assistant. He's off at Amherst now. They were in the national championship last year, so, like, they don't just hire any guy. So, he obviously, he had done a great job. Keegan's awesome. Uh, we got really lucky um, in, in, in getting him. He was already around, uh, which was, which was kind of weird and huge for <laughs> us, but he had been an assistant for five years at DePaul in Indiana, and that's a, that's a really successful program. So, and their, co their coach is a unique dude, you know, so I like that. You know, I'm always, like, picking Keegan's break. Hey, what did this guy say? About, what did he say about this? How did you guys approach that? 
And Keegan's not somebody that, like, yeah, I have to train him in terms of the way I like to do things, like my little quirks, basically, like with gear and all the stuff that every, every assistant kind of hates doing. And I, gotta, <laughs> I, I like it done this way. But on the soccer side, I mean, he's so capable um, that he's ahead of where Alex was when Alex came because when Alex came, he was kind of green, Alex Ortega, but then he just became such a beast, you know, of a coach. He was just awesome. And, like, Keegan's ahead of where he was just because, you know, five years of experience at a program like that, that's what it'll do. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, once we – he did a great job. You know, this spring was interesting because I still had Ortega with us, and we brought Keegan on as a volunteer. Um, so we were able to – they were all, we were all able to work together. It was really, it was really it was awesome. It was a dream team. It was a dream team with those two guys, not with me. <laughs> no, uh, but with those two guys. And then our players just got such a benefit of, like, developing relationships with Keegan. You know, and then and then Alex was gone for I think the last two weeks of the non-traditional season, and then it was just Keegan, which was which was great too. And now I'm, I'm really excited to see how you know he does with his first year of, of a full season, and I think he's going to do an unbelievable job. And uh, we're just lucky to have somebody with that type of experience, passion, and you know he's just a hard worker. And you know, I, you know, like you got to get a little bit lucky in recruiting, you got to get a little bit lucky in your assistant coach hires too. And I think I think we've done a good job and gotten a little bit lucky here with Keegan. Yeah. You got another question? I'm ready for the hard-hitting question. Yeah, this if is you a, got the, another one, you go ahead. I'm I'm good. This is the one that everybody's been waiting on. All right. So, if you've already listened to either the any of the first or the last two episodes, you know what's coming. But this is probably going to be the toughest question that you will have in this okay. entire interview. Okay. Wawa or Sheets? Wawa. No way. It is four to one. Pennsylvania. I'm from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, it's four to one. I don't dislike Sheets because they've got a good – buffalo chicken sandwich that you can make there and i used to get that all the time but i mean wawa is just like in your blood being like i'm from the philadelphia area i'm from delaware county pennsylvania lansdowne pennsylvania and you could walk one block up from my house as a wawa you know that's where neighborhoods are neighborhoods where you can walk to everything you don't really see that as much you know around here uh, with so many developments but um you know and the stores are kind of right in the neighborhoods like that's how i grew up and it's there's a wawa like every mile or something it's crazy we, i didn't know what sheets was till i got now sheets is up there but it wasn't there at first i don't dislike sheets but I, it's wawa 100 percent. So, uh, so that's got to be three and a half to one because he's he's forced to say that like he it would be bad if he said sheets right there right so i mean it, <laughs> growing up at wawa like i okay that's cool i get it so that's a wawa or wawa like that sheets was never an option in that question who it's, said sheets he him oh you're he the only one, the one. none, none of the, the coaches said one. sheets nope. no no phil is wawa jess weiss is wawa and now you're wawa and so am i yeah right now it's four to one hey i like an underdog <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, meat, I'm a meat and potatoes guy, as Coach said. Uh, that's funny. I'm not giving up this fight. <laughs> You're going to lose this fight very quickly. Oh, man. Well, Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we, hopefully we can get do this again here later this season, um, whether it be in the middle of the season or, or, or afterwards, and we can talk about the success of, where, of this program and, and, and then look back at the beginning of the season and say, hey, where did we think we were going to be? now look at us where and, and look at the growth so thanks for joining us and uh and we wish you the best fall season all right appreciate it guys yep, good luck coach go wide james